Welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 33, which I think is a palindrome. Uh, does that apply for numbers, or is it just words? No, it definitely applies to numbers. Okay, cool. Then it's a palindrome. <laughs> um, as you heard, that's Indy, and he's not the only one that's here, because we have a plethora of Boundless Gamers today. Say what? And there's Ash. We also have Ash. And we have Mike, all four of us, together for the very first time. Oh, I was supposed to say something? Sorry. You don't have to, you know. It's up to you. Uh, Yeah, so today is going to be our Game Awards. Mm. We're finally getting to them. It was supposed to happen last week, but what happened is we had to rearrange the schedule. Yeah, there was a threat of a snowstorm for us Georgians. Yeah. And Greystone power sucks, so a swift breeze will knock our power out. Hell, a gnat fart will knock our power out. <laughs> All my wires are underground, so I'm good. Mm. If we lose power, that means some construction crew messed something up. You dang Yankees. All right, guys, so let's uh, hope this episode doesn't get too off the rails with four people. It's very possible. But I'm going to try to uh, be the lion tamer here. I'm going to be cracking the whip. I'm going to keep you guys in line. Um, so, all right, let me just uh, plug the social medias really quick. I'm not going to do them all anymore. We said we were not doing that. So I am going to put the link tree in the description from now on. So just go check that out. You'll see all the relevant links. We'd appreciate follows anywhere. And comments. Comments would be nice, too. That's That's a good point, Ash. We always appreciate comments. We'll try to get back to you, interact with the community. And uh, as Indy says, with that being said, let's move on <laughs> to the Game Awards. <laughs> I'll explain how this is going to go. We, we have an order, and each person is going to get one minute and 15 seconds per category. There is 10 categories and four extra categories after that. And I will let you know when your time is up, and we'll just go from there. So, the order is going to be, Indy is up first. Hello. Then it's going to be Mike. Yay. Then it's going to be myself. And then Ash will round out the final participants. <laughs> Hi, Poppy. First category, guys, is going to be... Best Indie, which we already know that is Indie. He's here. He is the best Indie. <laughs> that is such a lame joke. Hey, Indie made it first before the show, so I had to give it a little shout out again. Quick mention about some of us not doing the full uh, year 2021. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, just I'll make a quick mention of that right now. That's a good point, Ash. Um, so, Ash, she has not played a lot of games for 2021 that came out in 2021. So we're kind of giving her a little bit of leeway to pick some games that may have come out in previous years as well. But we do have a category coming up that will be best new old game, which I'll explain that when we get to it. It's similar to what I just said. Now, I think I think I took care of everything. Did, did I miss anything, guys? No. No. Nah, you're good. All right, let's get the show on the road. Okay, so second best indie, and indie is up first. <laughs> What's your best indie? 
This actually got nominated at the uh, VGAs, but it didn't win, and that was uh, Inscription. That is definitely my best indie game of the year. I'm a sucker for, like, creepy undertones, and I haven't played a whole lot of card games. Um, Like, I played Hearthstone for a good bit on mobile. Um, I've played some of the Pokemon trading card game. That's about it. So, as it being a roguelike and a card game and it being creepy... Just all of those things hit right. Um, and there's some puzzle-solving elements. So that's what kind of got my uh, Indie Game of the Year award nailed right there. That's it? Nothing more to say? Not really. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, nice and concise. I could, go on, I could go on a little bit more, but as we know, um, ADD can get you off the rails a bit, so I'm trying to yes. keep myself reeled in as much as I can. We know, Indy, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you still got like 20 seconds, but if that's cool, if you're done, you're done. Uh, we will move on to you, Mike. What is your best indie? So I haven't played a lot of indie games. Well, I should say I haven't played a lot of indie games last year, so it was kind of hard for me to pick one. But the one I played is probably one of the best, and it won this award at the VGA show, and that's Kana Bridge of Spirits. I love the art style in it. The Pixar animation is just fantastic. The combat is solid. And it's very impressive that a 12-man development team created this game because it doesn't feel like that at all. I, I just can't recommend this game enough, guys. Uh, it, it is so, so good. And I definitely do think it deserves this award. That's awesome. I'm I'm really excited to check that one out. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think you're going to like it. Okay, so next up is me, and my best indie is going to be Inscription. Hey! It's, uh, I always give points to for creativity, and I think this is one of the most creative games to come out this year. And, you know, Mike mentioned Kana. It was very tough, because I, that was my other choice. But I, I am not finished with Kana, and... I just think that Inscription did so much new things. Like it, it, mis- yeah, it mixes genres, and I really like when games do that. Um, the Messenger also did that. Yeah, it's just a really cool game, really inventive, and I highly recommend people check it out. Now I'm going to move on to Ash. What is your best indie? This is a judgment-free zone, but the only reason why I picked this game is because it came out in 2021. Boyfriend Dungeon. It's got really, really super cute art. There's another game I've been wanting to play. Uh, I think it's called My Dream Daddy, but I haven't tried that one yet. So instead, I got Boyfriend Dungeon. And it's... As much as I'm not into dungeon crawlers, it's a lot of fun. Like I couldn't stop playing it. And all the characters are really, really unique. It was I really thoroughly enjoyed that game. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that. Um, maybe I'll get to that sometime. That's is that on Game Pass? Um, I'm not sure if it's on Game Pass. Uh, Indy says it is. Oh, the unique thing about it is you pretty much are dating your weapon. Okay. So each guy or female that you're trying to date actually turns into a weapon, and that's your boyfriend. In a dungeon. <laughs> that sounds interesting as fuck. I like that. Um, I'm going to move on to the next category, which Ash is going to love this one, and it is 
Best Art Design. And I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Indy first. Uh, again, just piggybacking off of what my best indie was in Creepy Undertones, uh, best art design for me this past year was Metroid Dread. It's rare that I finish a, a 2D Metroidvania, and I probably would have done it anyway, just because Metroid was $60, and at some point, you know, it turns into, I need to beat it because I dropped this money on it. But I didn't ever feel that for Metroid. Um, so the fact that it blended like old school Metroid, like Super Metroid, got all the same feels, the music was there, the undertones were there. It was just perfect. And it really made me look forward to um, us getting a Metroid Prime 4 whenever that happens. But yeah, I mean, if you get the chance to play Metroid Dread, I know Nintendo never drops their fucking prices for whatever reason. It for, will forever be a $60 game, but I recommend trying it out. It is really good, and I think you'll enjoy it. For someone that who was not into Metroid games, this game is actually beautiful looking. I, I know I'm not such a big Metroidvania player, but at some point I'm going to have to play this game. It's just inevitable. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Okay, Mike, now it's your turn. What's your what's the best art design? I think it's a game you pick, Jock. And that is It Takes Two. Whoa. Absolutely love the designs in this game. It's just so cool when you run into like a bedroom or your kid's room, you're in the attic, you're outside, you're in the trees, you're it, it, there's so many interesting places throughout this game and the level design is fantastic and the just the art is some of the best I've seen. So, guys, definitely check this game out. Yeah, Make sure you Indy. get a buddy to play with, because you have to play it with somebody. You can't play it by yourself. I was going to say, yeah, me and Indy played a little bit of it. I think we're getting close to the end of it. And I guess the best way to describe it is, like, it's a co-op Toy Story kind of life with almost, I want to say almost like a 3D claymation style. Okay, um, so my pick for best art design is going to go to Psychonauts 2. Nice. Holy shit, that is very shocking. But proceed. See, this was a tough one for me. This was actually one of the toughest categories, because there's so many games this year that just had such fabulous art design. True. Um I mean, I can think of Kana as one of them, too. Uh, like you said, it takes two... But the thing about Psychonauts is it just, it's so unique to me. There, there's no other game that looks like this. And that, that counts for a lot for me. It, it doesn't always have to be, you know, the prettiest graphics or the most crispest, realist looking shit. I just think this is a very unique um, art design for this game. I, I, I kind of compared it before to like a cross between the Muppets and 90s Nickelodeon cartoons. Yeah, there's just nothing really much else to say. Just look at the game and uh, you can see for yourself. So, Ash, I'm most curious about what your pick for best art design is with you being uh, an illustrator and, you know, doing graphic art and all that yourself. What is your best art design game? I think you guys are going to be pretty surprised. Um, I went with... Something that really inspired me uh, this past year, um, I went with 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey oh. because of all the historical throwbacks to Greek mythology, which is something I love tremendously next to Egyptian. And first walking into this game, it, the art is stunning. One of the telltale signs that I know of a game that's going to be really good art, like artistically, is the style of water. And the fact that you can literally just not do anything in this game and just stand on the shore and watch literal sea life jump in and out. You can hear whales, dolphins, all sorts of stuff. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful game. So that's why I chose that, because historically speaking, and the different armors, the animals, the environments, everything is so photogenic to me. It's gorgeous. That that is actually a good pick. I will agree with you. It is a stunning looking game. Not not just graphically, but like you said, just the the aesthetic, like just everywhere you look. I, I don't know what it's actually like to be in ancient Greece, but I imagine they got it pretty damn close. Next we will move on to Best Soundtrack. And Indy, you take it away. This one was actually kind of a hard category for me. Anybody who knows me, if you look at my Spotify account, it is a blend of scores and like music you would hear on the radio. So I'm very picky when it comes to soundtracks and scores and things like that. And this past year, there really wasn't any one score that really blew me away, but there were two that stood out. So it came down to making a choice between Metroid or Halo, and I had to give it to Halo. Um, Even though I would say out of the previous Halo games, especially the ones composed by Marty O'Donnell, it's not one of the strongest, but since 343 has taken over, I think it's probably the one that has come closest to capturing that feel. The way that Marty O'Donnell composed the Halos 1, 2, and 3, and ODST for that matter, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody can recapture that, but I will say they definitely gave it a solid go, and it's still a soundtrack that I can turn on and probably listen to and use it to inspire some writing, like for a D&D campaign or something like that. Um, and for me, if, if you can listen to a score and it inspires creativity in your storytelling, then it's a it's a good hit, and um, Halo did that for me. So not Aliens Fire Team, I do. <laughs> uh, you mean the one that I had to um, play a different score yeah. over the entire <laughs> yeah. game? I did yeah, the no, same not thing. I had to get the Alien soundtrack, <laughs> the movie soundtrack. Holy shit! <laughs> because when I'm finding aliens, I want to hear do 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 do. When I heard that, I'm like, nope, turning this shit off. All right, so Mike, so what is your best soundtrack then? I just got to give it to Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, I know it's not the unique new scores you hear in other games, and I love those. But man, when I was playing this game and I'm hearing badass 80s music like Billy Idol, Moni Moni, Europe's The Final Countdown. I think Def Leppard was in the game as well. I forget which song it was. Uh, Kiss, Motley Crue, Flock of Seagulls, the list goes on, but I just had a great time with the music in this game, and every time I would hear something, I'm like, yeah, there we go. I gotta give it to this game. It's just, I just, I can't, 
give it to something else with with the kick-ass list like that. Okay, uh, so next it's me and Mike. I am also picking Guardians of the Galaxy. I I totally agree with everything you said. And I think that, uh, yeah, you nailed it. Like, just the 80s. I I love 80s music. Um, They they pick so many good songs. And it, it really puts you in that world because it feels just like the movies. There's a lot of good song choices. I think it was actually White Wedding by Billy Idol. I don't think it was Moni Moni that was in there. But that's also a great song. It's not your 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 traditional like you know soundtrack. You know, it's all licensed music. Um, I think there's some original music in there by the band. I there forget is. the name of the band, but yeah. So there is that, but it's like the '80s metal aesthetic, which I love. It's it's all licensed shit, but I still think that that totally counts for best soundtrack. And yeah, it might be an easy pick, but. This was just the most memorable to me. Uh, okay, let's see. Ash, uh, what is your best soundtrack? Um, I went completely different from everybody in this room. I went with Star-Lord as well, the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, I actually haven't played it, but the little bit that I've watched indie, like, I will deadass stop what I'm doing, run the living room, watch what's going on, get turned on by Drax just chilling on the couch and then just hearing the music is it just brings me back it's such good feels i think the only thing missing is the game is hopping in some kind of like hot rod and just cruising because the 80s aesthetic is a super big thing for me and seeing star lord go through his teenage years and all of that it was it was it very much felt like a classic 80s movie but as a video game and yeah I really like how they implemented it into the combat, too, when you do the huddle and then you come out of it, and it's just hype mm-hmm. as fuck, you know, when that right song hits and you're just kicking ass. And I, I think they made a really smart decision by allowing you to just have full control of the soundtrack while you're just chilling in your ship, too. Yeah, I've been trying to, like, space away a little bit because Indies played it so much, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to move away so I can play it. Once I'm done with my other task list, because I'm super excited to play that game. All right, so we're going to move on to best multiplayer. Now, guys, this is going to be an interesting one, because it's possible we may all have the same pick for this. So, Indy, I'm going to let you lead us on this one. Yep, it's the same pick for all four of us. Aliens fire team. <laughs> okay, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It was underwhelming, but it's not that bad. Yeah, no, it's not that bad. It's it's not Colonial Marines bad. Um Stop. It's <laughs> uh it's definitely Halo. Um I mean, the Boundless Gamers crew and uh, you know what? I'll just say this, the Boundless Gamers community every damn week, man. Just, you know, every time they put out a new event, like, whether if it's the Samurai event or if it's, like, the Cyber Showdown event, I don't know how everybody else feels. I know a lot of times when we boot it up, it's like, okay, cool, can't wait to get a four-man team and play this new game mode, but it almost never happens because we also get the rest of the guys on, and then you get that feeling back of, like, having, like, a six- or seven-man team going into big team battle if it worked all the time, but no matter how good of an event is or how cool the armor is, you're never going to turn down having that many people and 
one lobby, just shooting the shit, having a good time. Um, it's, it's just a feeling that I haven't had since like 2007, um, back in the battlefield days. So, um, I could gush over this forever, but yeah, Halo definitely pick for me. I'm going to ask, so is Halo Infinite, is that like all of our picks for, cause it's my pick. Yes. It's my pick. Okay, cool. So we can just have a five minute discussion right now about Halo Infinite's <laughs> multiplayer. <laughs> I'm gonna, I was going to say, I was going to piggyback off of Indy because I've never had the experience of joining such a large group of people while playing online. And this has been such a freaking ball, even with all the mess ups that's happening, like the connection issues. Like, like you said, even our community, because mm-hmm. they're all listeners, too. It's such a blast. And uh, the events... I've really enjoyed the events. I want some more Fiesta. <laughs> I think this is just the quintessential just one more game because it's always the end of the night and it's like everybody needs to go to bed. I mean, oh, this yeah. just happened like a couple nights Agreed. ago with me, Mike, and Sean. And we and right. we must have said about three times, like just one more. This is the last one. And then the game ends and then everybody's just silent. And we're like, someone finally speaks up. So I guess we're playing another one. <laughs> yeah, because we never can just leave on a, on a on a lose. We have to go to bed on a win. As much as I don't like the campaign in this game, because I'm just not a fan of it. I have way too many issues with it. I've had a blast with the multiplayer, even with all of its ridiculous issues, even with me having to reset my Xbox Series X probably like 50 times now. <laughs> Big team battle still broken in some ways. It's not completely fixed. But despite all of those issues, I'm having a great time with it. And it was just an easy pick for me. Indy was saying, you know, getting those feelings back like the old days, having a whole crew go into a match. It's there. It's definitely in this game. Yeah, it's definitely brings back memories. This is for sure the most fun I've had with like a multiplayer competitive shooter, probably since Halo 3. Um, it's just insane how addictive this this combat loop is and just chilling with your friends at a party and just having laughs and fun all night. It's great, man. The, the, this is hands down the best. It's not even close. Correct me if I'm wrong, but until Halo, you and Mike had kind of fallen off of the online multiplayer scene for the most part, hadn't you? Yeah, totally. That's not true. There's one game, Jacques. You're forgetting one game. Am I? 2015 Battlefront. We played oh, over okay. 300 hours of that game. Or may- I think I, mean, I hit over 400. That's true. We played a lot of heroes and villains. Yeah, a good point. Okay, but still, 2015 to 2022, I mean, that's still seven years. We typically don't play multiplayer anymore because we just kind of like our single-player games the older we get. We don't like to be bothered by other people. We did play that game for a few years, though. I just want to point that out. We were playing that well into 2019, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, besides Halo, for me, we had played, because the maximum for uh, when I was playing with a bunch of guys, uh, Sea Thieves, maximum four, four guys, so I, I couldn't really play with a bunch of people, and then Rocket League, I freaking adore, I don't know the max capacity for Rocket League, is it four it's as well? Four. It's four as well. Um, so those are my other two favorite multiplayer games, so this, having this many people jump on is amazing. 
Okay, so we're going to move on because that is our time for that category. Uh, next category is best cover art. So, Indy, what is the best cover art of this year? So, this was actually a really fun category. It gave me the chance to pick a game that I haven't even played. So, when I went on a Google image search and I just typed in games of 2021, um, it was just the ultimate judging thing, like from a marketing standpoint, it's like what draws me in strictly off of what I'm looking at. And the game I picked was Returnal. Just seeing uh, Gwendolyn Christie standing in front of a bunch of helmets that are all fucked up in different ways. Um, give me one second. I'm going to pull it up so Ashley can see it. Yeah, it's a cool looking cover. Yeah, I like it. So you're talking about the standard one, because I think there was also like a special edition cover and it was slightly different. Yeah, it's it's the standard. Um I had to, like, take my head away from the mic so I could bring it up on my monitor. That's really cool. But, yeah, I mean, if I if I knew nothing about video games and I was looking at all the games that came out this past year, me being an Aliens fan, a sci-fi fan, um, it gives me Aliens fans, like the facehugger bursting through Kane's uh, helmet in the first Alien Mm-hmm. Um, everything about it draws me in. Like, I want to know more about what the hell that world is. Yeah, I agree with that. It definitely draws you in. Okay, so Mike, what is the best cover art for you? Everybody who's listening, grab your phones, tablets, whatever, and get ready to Google search this image. I'm just going to send it to the guys right now. And girls. And girls. Guys and gals. I'm a dudette. When I saw this art cover, the game's called Trigger Witch, by the way. That immediately grabbed my attention. There's so much going on there. I'm going to describe it right now. You have a, a witch with a machine gun, and there's like a bunch of like cartoon, like fruits, I think. Yeah, it looks like fruits and vegetables and a bunch of other stuff at the bottom. They all have X's on their eyes. They're all dead. Behind her, there's this pink looking Stargate. And the logo itself, Trigger Witch. It has a revolver, and I love the uh, the font of the trigger and, and which text on there. I love this. This is absolutely amazing. Have you played this? No, I have not played this game, but now I want to play it after seeing this. Yeah, same. Same Z's. Do you uh, know that there's a certain tie to this game that you might not be aware of, but that game is written by, I believe his name is Jono Peck. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it but he is friends with a uh, colin moriarty and sacred symbols did not know that wow that's cool i believe this is his first game that he wrote on but uh yeah no it's interesting that you picked that because i also saw that cover art and it was definitely like a final contender because it's clearly like that is a cool ass cover art but for my pick i'm just gonna have to go with an old school favorite of ours because it still stands out the most to me and the world is so important to me and all of us. And that's going to be Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Nice. I love the art on this, man. I think they did a really good job. It kind of, it encapsulates everything about that universe and it's got, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen it. It's got like the, the blue and Mm -hmm. the red to, to split, like, um, slanted. Like Paragon so, and Renegade. Yeah, exactly. It uh, represents Paragon and Renegade. 
I like how Shepard's helmet is just standing out real big. It really reminds me of like the old school Star Wars posters. Oh, totally. Yeah, so that is my pick, and uh, yeah, I'm sticking with it. Ash, what is your pick? I have, uh, I picked Guardians of the Galaxy. I absolutely love the colors for the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I also love that pretty much Star-Lord is smack dab in the middle, doing this rocker slide on his knees, and like this double pointer finger trigger motion. Yeah, again, it's the same aesthetics that I just really enjoy. And it, just looking at this, it seems like you're going to have a badass time playing this game. So I just really enjoy the colors, the neons, rocket screaming in the background. It's just great. That was in my top five. Yeah, same. For the same reasons. It's just a badass fucking cover. Well, see, what was interesting, too, was uh, when I was looking through all the games that came out this year, I kept seeing Dying Light. Two, uh, I looked at Indy. I'm like, wait, I don't think this came out because I was heavily looking at that. He's like, yeah, that hasn't came out yet. So I'm like, well, that can't be on my list. So, Guardians of the Galaxy was it? it that was my vote. So that's a great pick. I, it's, that's a super cool cover. Okay, let's move on to best new old game. Indy, you take it away. Well, first, let me explain real quick again what it is. It's a game that we played this year that did not come out this year. So that's why it's best new, as in new to us, but it's an older game that came out pre-2021. So, Indy, what's your best new old game? This is probably going to be a kind of controversial because it's technically not new to me. Um, but I did pick uh, the Mass Effect trilogy, and the reason why is because when I went through the original three games, I only played two DLCs. Layer of the Shadow Broker, and I had played whatever the one was in two, where you have to basically blow up the Batarian homeworld to prevent the Reapers from getting to Earth mm. faster. So going through all three of them with all of the DLCs, um, it felt more like a Mass Effect Director's Cut, in a way, for me. So it was, it really was almost best new old game because everything felt new. I could play it in 60 frames. I could play all these DLCs that I missed out on. I had all these new crewmates that I knew nothing about. So, I mean, yeah, for me, it was just hours and hours and hours of what seemed like revisiting a game for the first time. You know, they always say, um, if you could pick something that you could just go back and do for the first time, like watch a movie for the first time, play a game for the first time, or read a book for the first time, this was almost like doing that because it had been so long since I had played these games. Because after I beat Mass Effect 3, um, when it came out, I hadn't touched Mass Effect since, really. So going back to it with all those DLCs, it really did feel like a brand new game to me. No, it's actually a solid pick because you make good points because there is also a few DLCs I did not play and yeah, they were new to me as well. So that's fair, I think. Okay, uh, Mike, what is your best new old game? I was going to pick Mass Effect Legendary Edition when I was making this list and then I was like, eh, it's a gray area, but he made a good point and I'm going to stick to the one I picked my favorite PlayStation 5 exclusive. And 
it's a nice trip down PlayStation memory lane. Astro's Playroom. I absolutely love this game. This is a game that everybody should play when they get their PS5 because it's already pre-installed on the system. It shows off the dual sense in the best ways possible, and it gives us a glimpse of what they're going to be doing in the future. Cool. I, I just can't get enough of this game. I platinumed it when I got my PS5 back in uh, April, uh-huh. and I still have it on my hard drive because I still boot it up every once in a while. It comes with the PS5? Yes, it's pre-installed on the PlayStation 5. It's one of the best packing games I've ever played. Not quite up there with Super Mario World back on the Super Nintendo, but it's still pretty damn good. I'll say it again. It's my favorite PlayStation 5 exclusive right now. Wow. That's probably going to change later this year. <laughs> I totally agree with you, Mike. That was actually in the running for me um, because I actually platinumed this game, and you know how little that happens. I, I don't really care about trophies too much, but the fact that I went out of my way to platinum them, this just shows how much I loved it. But... My pick for best new old game, and I think Ash is going to love this, it is A Plague Tale Innocence. Nice! I, I, play, I played this at the beginning of the year, too. I want to say it was like January of 2021. And, I mean, I was just blown away by this game because I had heard so much about it. But when you actually play it, it, it's even more impressive than what you hear. And it's just, you know, I've heard it compared to The Last of Us a little bit. It's... Um, I can see that, but yeah, I mean, and then, you know, the gameplay, it's a little more stealthy. It kind of opens up a little bit, um, as you go on, but it's, uh, it's definitely something I think that everybody should play. And especially with the sequel coming out this year, I believe. I'm so excited, man. I'm so excited. Yeah, definitely, uh, get on that people. If you haven't already, I don't know, is it still on game pass? Yes, it's still there. Okay. So yeah, there you go. If you got if you're a Game Pass subscriber, it's right there for you to play. No excuse not to. Okay, so Ash, what is your best new old game? Mass Effect trilogy. I played the shit out of it um a few years ago cuz I had a best friend of mine who it was their favorite game and they kept talking about Garrus and Tally. I was like, All right, "What the fuck is this game?" And ever since then, I was hooked. And then the trilogy comes out. And it was also, I was in the middle of a really rough patch with my job at the time. And it just took my whole real world away and threw me right back in it. But this time when I played it, I started realizing how many dark undertones are in this game like with the guest and everything, it is freaking horrifying when you actually pay attention to what you read. Um, just a little bit of horror that's actually scattered around that you don't really pick up when you first play it. And then, like I said, just the art remastered. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. If you haven't played Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3, we don't talk about Andromeda in here. Um, <laughs> just with the team building alone, the characters actually feel almost real to you when you play with them. It's amazing. I don't want to go too far because it's an insane game. And maybe one day 
Uh, in the future, with maybe Mike, we'll do a talk about Mass Effect because I could just ramble. Don't get me started. It's just going to be Liara versus Garrus the whole time. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, we're going to move on to best performance. Indy, what you got? I'm going to end up mirroring the actual VGAs. Uh, Maggie Robertson is Lady Dimitrescu. Her performance was just flat out stunning, man. Um, I mean, she plays a perfectly, like, evil but so seductive character. Um, her voice work, the motion capture, just everything about that character just draws you in. Easily best villain, I would almost say, of the past decade. Yeah, she was my obvious pick. I had no hesitations as soon as I saw this category. And I know you guys will probably maybe not agree as far as best performance, but definitely as far as the character itself, she, you just can't help but be drawn into her. Um, and it's just a shame that, you know, she wasn't in the game for the entire game. That's all I'm going to say before I start giving spoilers, because it is only that uh, hasn't even been a full year since the game came out. <laughs> Indy. I agree with you. It's Maggie Robertson. I was thinking about Liara, but I'm like, it, it, it came from before. Like, I want to try and find somebody new. Yeah. So I was taking my time, thinking about all of the performances from last year. This is the one that's stuck out for me because she is fantastic in this game. I have to agree with Indy. I think she is one of the most... How did you word it, Indy? You said she's one of the most scariest or... Seductive. Frightening. I was just saying, like, best villain, like, she scares the hell out of you, but, like, is evil but seductive at the same time. Like, you want to run away, but at the same time, you really don't want to run away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely one of the best villains I've seen in the past 10 years. Okay. Uh, see, I can't talk about her, because then I'll just get carried away, and, uh, you know, I'll say she did scare me, but she also excited my penis a little bit, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's not surprising. Oh That's I was confused surprising. through this playthrough of Village. Um, <laughs> Only Liara does that for me. Oh, man. Okay, I'll move on to my pick for best performance. And this might surprise you guys a little bit. And it kind of surprised me. But the more I was thinking about it, I'm going to go with Steve Downs for Master Chief, guys. Because I was looking up his past awards and I'm like, this dude hasn't gotten any love over the years for Master Chief. And he's been playing this character for like 20 years. Does he excite your pickle too? Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. My energy sword is fully ignited. <laughs> his, and this, I think, is his best performance in any Halo game. Like, they've really, with the writing, dug into the Master Chief character. And his voice performance just did it justice. Because, sure, you know, you can talk about Maggie Robertson. And there's plenty of other voice actors where they, they really do a great job. You know, they ham it up. But try doing a voice performance when nobody can see your face, your mm. voice is pretty stoic and dead tone, and you're still managing to get across emotions. I find that super impressive. I agree. There's some lines in that game, Halo Infinite, where I'm just like, wow, man, I've never seen this side of Chief, and I'm loving this. I hope they go forward with this direction. That's one thing I will agree with you on is this is probably his best performance in, in a Halo game. Now, I do prefer all the other campaigns, 
yes, I'm going to say it. I prefer all the other Halo campaigns over this one, but he really delivered it in Infinite. So I, I will give him that. And it's always like just super subtle changes in his voice that you can just tell like, you know, this is Chief just kind of calm. This is Chief being reassuring. But just the slightest tweak um, is like, okay, this is Chief fucking pissed. Like he is going to go take on the whole Banished by himself and he doesn't care if he lives or dies. And there's this line in there. I cannot remember exactly what the weapon says. But Master Chief replies in sort of a sarcastic tone, like a defiant tone where he's like, will they? And I was (laughs) like, wow, you don't usually hear that kind. And it's very slight, like you said, but it's enough to hear it, to pick up on it. And that's what I think is most impressive about the performance is the nuance. Let's see. Next is Ash. What is your best performance? I don't have much to say about it. Uh, It's Lady Dimitrescu as well. Okay, fair. Yeah, she was she was fantastic. I I got super excited when she won uh, the award this year too, or excuse me, last year. And I don't know if you guys noticed watching her walk off that stage. She is a tall ass bitch. Oh yeah, she's over six uh-huh. feet tall in real life. That's amazing. She was she's incredible. So that's all I'm gonna say. Indy said enough. So. Okay, cool. Uh, next, we will move on to best narrative, Indy. Take it away. This was actually kind of surprising for me. When this game was coming out, um, I never would have thought that it would be in my running for best narrative because these games tend to have a history of being kind of campy and almost kind of corny. But um, for me, it was Resident Evil 8. It's hard to talk about why without going into spoilers, but I mean, just Ethan's journey from Resident Evil 7 to the end of Resident Evil 8, um, especially when you find out um, things that happened, or something that happened to him in 7, is kind of what happened. Like, it all comes to light at the end of 8, and it kind of sets the stage for the Resident Evil series going forward. I don't think any other games have really come out this year that have had that kind of plot twist. Um, So, for me... After playing it, it was it was a no-brainer that Resident Evil 8 was going to take best narrative for me. It even got emotional at the end. Like, I think I actually teared up at the very end um, of the main game, like, before credits. Just that exchange with uh, Chris and everything. So, yeah, no. Resident Evil 8, definitely uh, my pick for best narrative. That was one of the games on my list. That one... And Life is Strange True Colors. Ooh, I haven't played that yet. I, I I was shocked at how good the writing was in that game. But there was one game where it was basically like the developers knocked on my door, gave me a copy of a game, and they told me, hey, we made this just for you. Let me guess, it was Lego Star Wars. No, it's not Lego Star Wars. No, no, no. <laughs> God, no. I love Lego games, but no. It's the Dark Pictures Anthology, House of Ashes. Nice. Great. I had a feeling. Indy, once you beat the game, you're going to be like, oh, I should have picked that. I can't really talk about it here 
let's just say the story involves some of my favorite franchises. Like it, it, it borrows a little bit from each one. And then they crafted this very unique military horror story. Nice. I, I can't recommend this game enough, guys. Please go check it out. Please. Man of Madon was incredible, sir. And I didn't even play it. I watched that. And I was glued to the TV. But yeah, that's my pick. Okay, that is a good pick, Mike. I know you really, really love that game. I was glad that you uh, took to it so well. Uh, okay, for me, best narrative. And this was also another one of the hardest uh, to choose between. It was this and best art design. But this one was super hard for me because there was just so many good narratives this year. Uh, it was very, very difficult. But I finally settled on It Takes Two. And nice. that is because when I really boil it down, I think it just, from start to finish, I just think it was the most complete narrative for me. And the way that the gameplay so expertly meshed with the story like they really fed into each other in this perfect loop. A great characters, a great heartfelt story, fun, exciting. I think pound for pound, this was just the best narrative for me, the way that it was told throughout the game. And Nash, or Nash, I called you Nash. What the f? Hi, my name's Nash. <laughs> I'm from Nashville. I'm not actually from Georgia, sorry. That that's your twin sister, Nash. Uh I picked for best narrative a Plague's Tale Innocence. Nice. Because mm. I could not put this game down. It was incredible. I am super freaking excited for game two. I think Jacques is the one that uh recommended that game to me and absolutely adored it, especially with learning about your little brother. And what's going on. I, I don't want to give any spoilers away because you just have to play it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I think I talked about it in another uh, episode where obviously it's about the bubonic plague. Um, Just do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Yeah, that game has a fantastic narrative. Next up is going to be a fun one for us guys because this is an award we created and it's called the Fire Dumpster Truck Award. And it's it's basically like just the, the most broken, boring, shitty game that came out this year. <laughs> you can kind of define it how you want, but pretty much it's like the you know the worst game in our opinions. So Indy, why don't you take this one first? Honestly, the game that I chose, I probably chose it before it ever even came out just because of the history of the franchise. Like, if we if we had gone, let's say we could rewind the clocks, go back to the beginning of 2021, we know what games are coming out. You put them all in front of me and ask me, Indy, which one of these do you think is going to be the Fire Dumpster Truck Award for, like, most broken game when it comes out? I would have made a beeline straight for Battlefield 2042. And, um, yeah, from what I've heard, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Battlefield just historically just, it's always a comeback story for them. And I don't understand why, like, why is it so hard to launch a game and just have it 
the you know, not even fully work. Like you can have some things that are busted, like with Halo, like the BTB stuff. That that's one thing. And I mean, Halo's or three four three's busted their ass to get it working, but Battlefield is still busted. I mean, hell, Mike was saying it flat out shut off his Series X, and that's enough to terrify anybody when you just bought a new console. Like Battlefield Four didn't do that when it came out, or maybe it did. I don't remember. But I remember when Battlefield 4 came out, you know, you couldn't even get your friends together and go into a game. It was busted. Um, I remember Battlefield 3 being just as busted. Bad Company 2 suffered from a lot of uh, matchmaking issues. So we've had generation of generation of generation of the Battlefield series struggling at launch, and it still hasn't changed. But yeah, I'm going to leave it there because I can already feel me starting to rant about developers releasing busted ass games at launch. So I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to leave it right there. Okay, indeed. Yeah, we've we've covered that plenty on the podcast. Okay, so Mike, uh, what is your fire dumpster truck award? Indeed, I know you want to leave it right there, but I'm going to bring it right back. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to pick Biomutant. Because I absolutely hated that game last year. It was one of the few games I did not finish. But then I thought about it. And I'm like, well, Battlefield pretty much shut off my system multiple times. Like, hard crashed it. Got really hot. And the the console had a hard time booting back up. And that is just a huge no-no for me. And that's on top of all the other shit that's going on with the game. Like, people being able to get on top of buildings with hovercrafts and... The, the, the hit detection is just completely broken. The game lags. The, the, there's so much stripped down wow. stuff in it. Like this missing content. They decided to get rid of the campaign and just focus on the multiplayer. And I'm like, okay, well, all right. Well, maybe you can put more time into the multiplayer then. All right, make that better. No. No. This is the worst battlefield I played, hands down. This sounds so fun. And it's still broken i've deleted that game so fast i'm like i'm not even gonna wait for you to fix this because what's there is not even that great so yeah battlefield 2042 yeah they done fucked it up so next is myself and i see this was a little bit troublesome because there was two that i i really could not decide but i finally ended up going with the ascent (laughs) that this game was not ready to launch me and mike and sean tried to play this and it just kept crashing so much and it's not only that but me and sean encountered lots of bugs too where like sean actually disappeared like his carry his gun was floating in the air (laughs) and you know, we made this joke that he was like my familiar. We called him Gun, and he was just floating uh-huh. by my side, and he couldn't see where he was going. Especially when you get into the town area, and like he has no idea where he's going. So this game was just super buggy, broken. I don't know if they fixed any of this. I'm sure they fixed some, but first impressions are important. And I gave this game plenty of tries, and I was done very quickly. And the only thing I will give it is I think that the art design is really good, but that's not enough to keep me coming back because the gameplay was super boring, repetitive. Yeah, I just did not like this game at all. It's a shitty Diablo with guns. It's a twin stick shooter. Oh, okay. That's what it is. It's just not a great game. I know there's some people out there who absolutely love it, but 
I couldn't get into it. I love sci-fi and I like games where you shoot shit. All right, Ash, what is your fire dumpster truck award? Well, I didn't play anything uh, this past year that sucked. So I was blessed with that. Um, but I'm I'm probably going to upset some people with this. Mine's Halo Infinite. I can see that. I can see that. Because of all of the crashing that happens with our game, and sometimes you can't even tell if you're going into a game. Sometimes you'll get a full black screen, and you're like, hey, guys, is there people still here? Some people will enter a game. Some people will not enter a game. I could go on. Um, even sometimes it seems like the enemy team will have all the energy weapons or all explosive weapons while you're pretty much stuck with all the defaults. So sometimes it doesn't feel level. Yeah, but it's mainly getting into a map for big, big team battle, which sucks, but, and then having to reload your game. And it's nothing for us to reload our game like three or four times a night. Yeah, at least. That's totally fair, because, yeah, it's, it's for as good as the game is, it still has its flaws, and a lot of them, at the time of this recording, have still not been completely fixed. Yeah, I mean, when it first came out, I mean, hell, you had challenges like, hey, play three Capture the Flag matches, and then you go, and you'll go a whole night, and it's like, hey, you know how you have this Capture the Flag matches? Well, fuck you, you're playing Oddball all fucking night. Yeah, that's totally yep. true. I forgot about that. Yeah, I can understand that pick, 100%. It was on my list. I was thinking about it. But Battlefield 2042, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, at least you could play Halo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. We're going to move on to Game of the Year, the big one that everyone's been waiting for. Now, before we get to this, I just want to say that to everybody listening out there, all these picks, these are just our opinions. Like, please don't get angry. Like, it doesn't invalidate your choices. It's all subjective. It's cool. So I just want to reiterate that, because I know people can get a little angry and passionate out there. And that goes for every game that we've picked tonight. Exactly. And if you want to, just let us know in the comments on Facebook or whatever what your game of the year was, because we would love to see what you guys thought, too. And let us know why you picked Aliens Fire Team. If you pick Aliens Fireteam, we will ban you. I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to come at this from the other side of the fence. Get angry. Get pissed off. Let me know in the comments, because comments are good for the algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All jokes aside, um, yeah, game of the year. Yeah, Indy, what what is your game of the year? You know what? I filled out this entire list, and game of the year was the last one, and I'd imagine everybody else was the same way. The way I went about deciding was which game left the longest lasting impact on me. Like, what game really just kind of felt new to me. It was almost Inscription. Almost. Mm. Um, But the deciding factor was I still haven't beaten Inscription. I had my time with it. Um, I'm sure I will beat it eventually. But... It's not like a game I have to pick up. It's like, I can't wait to go home and finish this game. It's just, it's not that for me. I, I, I fell off of it. Um, but the game I did pick 
didn't happen. I came home every night, and I was like, I want to pick up my Switch. I want to get further. I know what I picked up last time to open that new door. I want to go through that door. I want to see where it goes. Um, so Metroid Dread is Animal my game Crossing. of the year. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Not Animal Crossing. Wow. Okay. Um, Metroid Dread was definitely my game of the year because I would come home. We'd have dinner. Um, Ash would be watching something on TV, and I'm taking my Switch out of the dock, and I'm playing Metroid Dread. Like I almost never put headphones on when I'm playing my Switch. But I got my old wired turtle beaches, and I plugged those bitches right into my Switch, got my recliner, and I was in Metroid. Like, I was fully immersed in a handheld for me, and that never happens. So, I mean, just the atmosphere, the soundtrack, um, the even the puzzles. Um, like, it was also the first Metroidvania that I didn't really look up anything except for how to beat the final boss, because it wasn't very clear on how to do that. But everything else was just figuring it out. So, I mean, it was challenging, but it wasn't impossible. And sometimes the puzzles weren't obvious. You really had to think about it. Um, so, yeah, uh, Metroid Dread was definitely my pick, um, which is why I was advocating for it earlier. I, I'm curious, like, if we're all going to have different ones. This is going to be interesting. So, Mike, what is your 2021 game of the year? I've played most of the big games last year. Most of them, not all of them, obviously. Like Hitman 3, I never got around to playing that, which is unfortunate, but I still haven't played 2. I want to get to that first. Now, when I think game of the year, I try to find a game that did something different, brought something new to the table, maybe evolved the genre it's in, bringing the gaming industry in a new direction. So I thought about it and there was really only one game last year that did that for me. Jock's going to be very happy. It's, it takes two. It is one of the best co-op games I've ever played. It might actually Mm -hmm. be the best co-op game I've ever played. Oh, wow. That's how good it is because it introduces so many new gameplay mechanics and so many different things I haven't done before in a video game. And it impressed me. Like, like, like I've said in a previous episode, I played it with my friend Jason. He didn't want to play this game at all. He saw the trailer. He's like, this looks like dumb shit. Like, I don't want to play this. I'm like, come on, let's just, let's just do it. And then once we started playing it, he was hooked. He loved it. It is an excellent game. Top to bottom. Incredible. Just an incredible journey. boy, Mike. You made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not entirely surprised, but I am a little bit like surprised because I know you had a bunch of games you were deciding on, and yeah, you made the right choice. So, <laughs> for my game of the year, it's gonna be. It takes two. Same thing. Everything you've said, totally true. Everything I said when I gave it best narrative, true. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about this game. It just impressed me the most out of any game this year. I think it's. Yeah, it's for sure the best co-op game, I think, ever. Like I said, it ties the gameplay and the narrative together so well. It's it's constantly giving you new things to do. You're never bored of this game. It, it looks phenomenal. The music's great. The story's great. It's just firing on all cylinders. And I, I give it extra bonus points for creativity. I mean, just all mm-hmm. the mini games that you can stop and play as long as you want. Yeah, those are fun. 
it's just a really, really fun co-op experience. And it, you can probably finish it in, you know, f- within a week, even less. Like I finished it in four days with my friend Susan. So, and then they give you a friend pass. You, you both don't have to buy it. It's just phenomenal. And I think that it just continues to speak to EA's originals because I've loved every single one of their EA original games. I mean, Unravel, Unravel 2, uh, Way Out was great. I just love that that branch of EA. So, yeah, It Takes Two. That's my game of the year, guys. Okay, Ash, it's all coming down to you. What is your game of the year? I'm going to mention my game of the year, and I'm also going to do a little bit of an honorable mention, if that's cool with everybody. Yeah, go ahead. My game of the year is The Medium. Oh. Hmm. I thought that would surprise people. Um, the reason why I chose the medium, and I gotta be careful because I don't think Jacques played it yet. No. But to this day, and it's been maybe two weeks since I've beat it, I cannot get it out of my head. That may seem like a weird thing to put as a game of the year thing, but there is a monster in this game that completely jars me to my core and just that creature's performance alone I still think about him and the whole story is incredible it is dark it is gritty one of the things I am happy about with that one is there's not jump scares which I freaking hate and this time it's actually it's just creepy along the way You'll know when you play it what monster I'm freaking talking about because... Oh, I know. He don't leave you alone. (laughs) And I finished it, and he still don't leave me alone. And as for my honorable mention, this is another one that's going to surprise people, um, but I played this game at the very beginning of of last year. Cyberpunk 20... End of last year. End of last year? Is that what I said? Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. It was the beginning of last year because we're in a new year. Yeah, so Cyberpunk, actually. I was one of the lucky ones I didn't have a lot of issues with that game. And that had an incredible story. If I'm at the end of a game and I'm bawling, that means you did something right. All right, guys, we got to move on because we got to move through these quick because we have four more. So let's try to make these quick. These are just kind of four awards that each one of us picked one and they're just a little more fun, so... The first one is going to be favorite weapon, and Indy, go ahead and tell us what your favorite weapon is. Um, this is actually a weapon that you um ranted about a little bit last night. It is the MA five B assault rifle. Which oh, is really? The, yes. Um, <laughs> that gun has been probably my favorite gun in a video game, or favorite weapon in a video game since Halo Three. To be perfectly honest. It is your Swiss Army knife for every single Halo campaign. Like, you can never not pick that gun up and not be okay. Like, you can take it into any fight and hold your own. And for me, in even when we're playing Halo Infinite multiplayer, I, I mean, I know I'll do better with a battle rifle, but I always feel better if the assault rifle is my secondary. Like, I could have a power weapon and then pass another power weapon, and I will leave it on the ground so I still have my assault rifle on my back. 
It is just my default go-to weapon. And if there's any gun that I could pull from a video game and have in real life, it would be that rifle. Okay, how about you, Mike? Favorite weapon? Uh, it's an interesting one. It's from Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, the Pixelizer. It's a shotgun that turns enemies into 8-bit sprites. Oh my god. And the one thing that's really cool about this weapon is that when you upgrade it to Pixelizer HD, I don't know if Jacques knows this, but the dual sense will play music via the haptic motors inside the controller. Really? Whoa. It like starts playing this like it's it's like what the this is crazy and I, I just loved using it throughout the entire game. I always liked aiming it at new enemy types. I'm like, "Okay, what's that going to look like now?" And it's not just looks, it also makes old game sounds like you're playing on like a I don't know, like an Atari or something. It's it's just really cool. I I I can't get enough of that weapon. And there's some other good weapons in there, like like the um the one that hurls objects from different dimensions and shit like that, but the pixelizer really stood out to me, and it's definitely my favorite from last year. Ratchet and Clank had so many unique weapons. Like, they had the one where you turn enemies into shrubs. <laughs> Alright, so my favorite weapon, guys, and I'm not going off the board with this one. It's an easy pick. It's the grapple shot from Halo Infinite. Nice. I've raved about this like ever since it came out. This thing is just so damn fun. It's basically just you shoot out like a fucking rope and you can attach things. You can pull things to you. You can propel yourself forward to things. You can grab fusion coils. You can throw them at enemies. You can grab weapons. You can swing around like Spider-Man. It's just so dynamic and so fun. And I can't get enough of it. All right, Ash, what was your favorite weapon for 2021? In the words of Garrus Vakarian, I love this rifle. <laughs> it's the Black Widow sniper rifle. Oh, okay. From Mass Effect? Mass Effect, yeah, Mass Effect 3. Uh, another close second would be the Incisor. Both sniper rifles. I Oh, God. It feels so good. I love shooting that gun. <laughs> When you equip the incendiary ammo to those things, oh my god, they're they're so just, they do so much damage. Yeah, they're nut pops, what are you talking about? <laughs> they're great. Okay, uh, next category is, by the way, the favorite weapon was my category, so the next category is Indies category, and it is most difficult game. Actually, I can't fully take credit for this one, this is actually Sean's category. Oh, okay. Because we were playing Halo, and I was having trouble with it, I mentioned it to him, he's like, dude, most difficult, and it's like, done. <laughs> um, and it's just ironic that the most difficult game for me uh, this past year actually was Halo Infinite uh, for the campaign. Reason being is that most Halos, um, I've gotten very good at being able to read the AI in different Halo games. I know how I can jump into the middle, uh, stick two or three get out of there, recharge shields, and come back in and, like, start picking everything off. Can't do that in Halo Infinite. They're just, they're two on top of it, and they will fuck you up way too easy. Um, that and the bosses, um, particularly the chieftains with hammers. Um, this is actually one of the things I didn't like about Infinite's campaign, is that the bosses felt like just Mr. Super Absorbency bullet sponges, and it just turns into hit, run, hit, run, hit, run, and repeat, and rinse and repeat. Yeah. Yeah. 
I haven't had to like face the same boss over and over like that since the last FromSoft game I played. So that's why Halo got most difficult for me. Okay, Mike, what's yours most difficult? My pick is Hell Let Loose. Mm. And now I know it came out in 2019, but they just released it for PS5. But yeah, it is extremely hard. Jacques can vouch for that. It is incredibly hard. If you get shot like twice in the chest, you're down. On one of the maps, um, was it Normandy, when you're the Americans charging the beach, it's a nightmare because they're just raining hell on you. And you can't move. That sounds terrifying. It is so hard to charge that beach. But when you finally get up there, it's an adrenaline rush. <laughs> but yeah, that is definitely the hardest game I played last year. All right. For my pick, I'm going to have to go with Back for Blood. Oh. Because on normal difficulty, it's challenging. Like it's it's beatable, but it's challenging. On the second to hardest difficulty, it is fucking brutal. And I don't know if this is like tuning that that hadn't quite been tuned right yet, and maybe they've changed it since then. I don't know, because, you know, I beat the game, me and Mike, and Sean, I think, was in there with us. And yeah, we we beat the game, So, but we did it on the normal difficulty. Uh, The next one up from that is just, like I said, insane. I didn't even attempt on the hardest difficulty. I cannot even fucking imagine... Like, this game is certainly way harder than Left 4 Dead, I think. And you really, really have to use teamwork and tactics and all that shit. So, yeah, that's my pick. Um, Ash, what is your pick for most difficult game? I picked The Long Dark, actually. Um, because it's just pure survival mode. And the way it just throws you into the blizzard. I hadn't really played anything this year, or this past year that was really difficult, but I do remember starting this game and I was like, oh shit, this is real. It felt like real survival, so yeah, it it's it was tough. But once you get the hang of it, it's good. Uh moving on. Uh, and this is Mike's category and it's most underrated game. Indy, you're up. Uh for me it was inscription. For a game being as unique as it is, um, it's just, it's a shame to me that not more, that more people aren't talking, or talking about it. Um, I know it got nominated, but it seems like it was kind of there and then it was gone. Um, I know I've heard it in some circles, but, you know, you hear games like Hades, that was an indie game that just kind of took the world by storm for a little bit. Um, and I'm just, I'm shocked that Inscription hasn't done that. Maybe it's the fact that it's only on PC, but yeah, that game is way too good and too unique to not be in more conversations. Mike, what's your most underrated game? The Dark Pictures Anthology. House of Ashes. All three anthology games are underrated. And this is the best one in the series so far. Not enough people are talking about it. I still think Until Dawn is the better game when you take everything into account, like the graphics, the animation, the the level designs, and all of that. But when it comes to the writing, they nailed it with House of Ashes. Supermassive Games did an incredible job with it, and more people should go play it. 
I agree, Mike. I think this is by far their best one. I think these games are highly underrated, and uh, I think that Supermassive is finally hitting their stride with these Dark Pictures games, and I can't wait for the next one. Okay, my most underrated game is going to be Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights, which I think, Indy, you saw me play this on stream a little bit. I did. That game looks amazing. Like I, It's on my wish list on Steam. As soon as it goes on sale, I'm scooping it up. You definitely should, because I know you like these Metroidvanias like I do. And I I don't hear anybody talk about this game. And it came out in January of 2021. And it's just, the two things that stand out the most to me is, first of all, the art design is fabulous. And second, the music. Like, this, the, the music is so good, man. It's it's nice and relaxing, and it really fits the tone of the game, and um, and just the game itself is really fun to play. It's it's a solid Metroidvania. Certainly, I've played better, like Ori and uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, but this this is very solid, and I give it a high recommend. And uh, next up, we have Ash. What is your most underrated game? Um, I chose a Plague Tale in a sense because I didn't really remember it from uh past video trailers or anything until Jacques mentioned it again. Um I haven't really heard anybody else talk about it and it's just an incredible game. Yeah, not enough people talk about this game. Okay guys, uh, we're on the final category and this is Ash's category and I think it's the best personally and that is best butt. So Indy, go ahead. Well, what's the best badonkadonk you've seen this year? So, remember how I said that Lady V was terrifying, yet she draws you in at the same time? It's going to be Lady V. Like, any time that you're walking around that castle and she's walking away from you, you can't help but just want to sneak up and just smack the shit out of that ass. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. That's enough said. <laughs> um, all right, so Mike, what's, what's your best butt? Jacques, what do you think it is? I don't know. Why don't you tell us, Mike? We don't have time to fucking pussy. No, I want you to guess. No, I want you to guess. Who, who do you think it is? Is it going to be Liara? Do we really have to is say Liara, this? Mike? Liara. What do you think, Andy? I mean, if I had to guess, I would say Liara, but I know you've played a shit ton of games, so I can't even begin to venture, I guess. You're damn right it's Liara. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> How am I not going to pick Liara to Sony? EA brought that character's behind back in 2021. <laughs> so that it was it was just an instant pick for me. That that ass was high def. Yeah. Yeah, it looks better. Oh my god. They made it even look better. I don't have to say anymore. All the listeners know my thing with Liara, so that that's it. I'll just leave it at that. Great job. I'm proud of you. Okay, so for my pick and this this was also a hard one, no pun intended. Oh, I bet it was hard. And because there there was a lot of grade A rump roasts out there this year. Oh my god! And I, so I'm going to give you a couple honorable mentions real quick. Lady Hellbender from Guardians of the Galaxy. She is a Amazon goddess with a fine sculpted posterior. <laughs> and my next honorable mention is. Uh, the weapon slash Cortana in Halo, because she's constantly oh. having her ass turned towards you. It's like they want you to look at it. 
And my winner, <laughs> it's Lady D. Come on. Come on. That nice, big, giant, juicy, fantastic ass. You just don't want to run away. You almost are willing to be killed just to get a glimpse. So that was an easy one for me. And it's like, it teases you too, because she's wearing this nice long dress. You don't get to see everything. Mm -hmm. You just barely see the outline, the shape of it, where you just know it's the best ass you've ever seen. So that's my pick. I'm shocked you didn't pick Miranda in your honorable mentions. I was actually about to say that there's only one reason that Miranda Lawson was not my number one, and that's because they removed some of the most exquisite ass shots from Mass, Mass Effect, Effect 2. by the way. Yes. That's right. Because they You're had right. some conversation yeah. angles where, like, she'd be, like, bent over a table, and you just had, like, her ass take up the whole left side of the screen, and then on the right, oh, and then there's Shepard. Well, see, I wanted to pick a game that came out. I mean, I know that came out this year, the remaster, but I wanted to pick a new game, you know, because obviously Miranda's got just a fucking unrealistically fine ass. Like, that's a given. We know that. She was genetically designed to have a fine ass. But just, man, Lady D, that's probably my favorite character this year. She just... Do I need to tell y'all, hey, this is enough? Can I, like, speak on some ass? Okay, it's one sec, one sec, one sec. So Lady D is oh. my favorite character, and I just, I wanted to give some love to Resident <laughs> Evil Village because I didn't really pick it for any other categories. It was one of those games that just kind of, it was fantastic, one of my favorite games of the year, but just didn't quite make it on any of the categories. So that's my love for Village. Okay, Ash, what is your best butt this year? All right, for the ladies, don't look at my butt chart. <laughs> Indy, I have one honorable mention only because uh, you can't really see his ass. But my God, when he poses and pops his leg up with his sniper rifle, nut, uh, that's Garrus Vicarian. Um, he doesn't really have an ass. He's an alien. But... Uh, as for actual asses, River Ward from Cyberpunk 2077, because that sex scene is crispy. <laughs> mm. well, I can't wait to see that. Uh, well, I mean, if you want. No, no, I'm not sharing River with you. He's a dude. That's mine. All the Mass Effect fans know that Liara is better than Garrus in that department. I just said that. that Garrus has no ass. Yeah, I know, but just the fact that he got an honorable mention, that bothers me. Because of his posing and that voice. Woo, he wears some headphones with that voice. Mm. <laughs> all right, all right. I say I have to put it in here for the women, so reward. Okay, children, let's let's turn down the knob. Chocolate black butt. Turn down the knob Beautiful. on this uh this this uh, thirst factor going on here. We need to uh, get to the end of this podcast because we're hitting our time limit. And I got to do this because Mike's going to be really mad if I don't. So we're at our time limit. Damn straight. Okay. <laughs> so let me just go through the intro and we'll get out of here. So I, I think this was a good episode overall, though. It turned out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. So ladies and gentlemen out there, thanks for listening. That was our 2021 Game Awards. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. You can visit our social media. The link is in the description. All of our relevant links are in that link tree. Go check it out. Give us a follow everywhere you can. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that is going to do it for our Game Awards this year. 
So any final words? Yeah, just comment us uh, what your top uh, favorite games were, what your game of the year was, maybe what your favorite butt award is, because we'd love to hear it. It's Liara. No, Mike. All right, well, that being said, I'm Jacques. I'm Mike. I'm Ashley. I'm Indy. And we'll see you next time on Boundless Gamers. Boundless Gamers.